Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-filled discussion for Pixar's Turning Red. For time for life! You never know, oh my, my, oh my, oh my, I'm never not by your side, your side, your side, I'm never gonna let you I'm Nate Shelton, and ever since I watched Turning Red, I've been doing my own thing, making my own moves, 24-7, 365. I review what I want, say what I want, and I will not hesitate to do a spoiler cast for a movie that isn't even a Star Wars or Marvel movie. Yes, that's right, this is our spoiler-filled discussion for Domi Shi's story about, well, probably herself. Uh, so before we continue, if you haven't yet unleashed your red panda and embraced the warm fuzziness that is this movie, then go check it out. Then do a cartwheel back here to continue listening. Um, and if you're wondering who we've got joining us today, well, let me just say, besties assemble! First up, he also smells like milk chocolate and wet rocks. He's Justin L. <laughs> oh, that's like the nicest thing you've ever said about me. <laughs> I think wet it chocolates. Is. Wet, wet rocks and chocolate. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> wet chocolate, maybe. Maybe wet uh, chocolate. <laughs> Next up, she accepts and embraces all labels. She's Megan C. from Megan Clara Draws. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Very, very popular. Very era. Yeah, era, era, era. Era, era. <laughs> uh, and rounding out the group. Uh, is she a triangle? Because she a cute. A. She's Joe B. from Joe Knows Photos. How you doing? <laughs> I love the little math reference. That made me really happy. Yes. <laughs> I figured you're you're a, a mathlete, uh, probably. Were you a mathlete back in the day when you were younger? I don't think we had mathletes, honestly. I just liked it without anyone else. It's just by myself. <laughs> just on really? your own. Just on your own. Uh, well, how's everyone doing this fine evening? How many times have you all seen Turning Red? Five times. Five times. Wow. <laughs> Not this weekend. Not this weekend. Yeah, we did no. get we did get early we access. Did get it Nate. Early. Yeah, so right. I watched it three times then and twice over this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I've only like watched three. Made... Three times. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm I'm about three as well, but the third time was more of a like pause, rewind, right? Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I've only watched it. I've only watched it four times. Only. Uh, <laughs> just four towns. Four towns. Oh oh. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, I'm so excited to discuss uh, the movie finally in detail. Yes. We're going to get into literally as much as we possibly can. Uh, but before we dive in, you know, Justin and I gave a lot of our thoughts on the movie and our rating on our spoiler-free review, which you can go check out, uh, where we gave the movie five out of five. Uh, but before we go any further, Megan and Joe, if you want to give us your high-level thoughts and impressions with a score out of five, which we'll be continuing to use the same rating scale, uh, which was out of five members of Four Town. Uh, so, Megan, why don't you go first? Well, I was fighting really hard to not give this a perfect score, <laughs> but <laughs> it was too hard a fight. So, uh, <laughs> after really thinking about it, and Nate, I'm kind of going with your way of writing these movies is that there really wasn't anything I didn't like about it. Yeah. So yeah. I am giving it five out of five members of Fort Town. <laughs> Very cool. Joe, how about yourself? I love the rating system. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there five of them if it's called Fort Town? <laughs> right? <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Yeah, no, same. When I heard your um, your 
spoiler free version I was like oh wow five like that's such a a crazy score and I'm in the same boat as kind of Megan and you guys there wasn't anything that I really didn't love about it um so I did give it a five out of five um my little like controversial like asterisk because mm. whenever you invite me on here you know I'm always gonna have a hot take on to. something <laughs> if sure. you've ever met me <laughs> um I am giving like Disney a one member out mm. of five um <laughs> just because of all the controversy that's going on right now which is like completely unnecessary um with the laws in Florida and all of the you know support that they've been giving um I keep hearing that like you know we all loved it so much because it represented like our childhood and we got to see ourselves and you know the city of Toronto and all these great things and I really just want a situation where like a kid like me who is part of the LGBTQ plus community can see themselves in a movie and be like that's me I want that Mm -hmm. and I still think we have like ways to go but it's it isn't 2002 it is actually 2022 so it's definitely doable um so i'm yes. still yeah. always going to continue to be irritated at that um just because so much of it was queer coded um but not mm-hmm. explicit so that's yeah. my my not so hot but hot take yeah i think we see um one that i actually kind of really caught today was uh watching it again was uh priya um, there's got to be something going on with her and that goth girl at the party because Priya is very much sort of, she's very goth herself, right? She's into like the Twilight, the fake Twilight thing. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. magic. And, and like the other thing too was when they were playing charades, like I can't remember the answer, but it was like the, the goth girl got it immediately. And then right. they, there was that spark, right? So I definitely see what you're saying there. And I think Disney, um, for, you know, calling it what it is, they've, They've definitely pushed a lot of that stuff into the background. But I, I do think that Pixar, if we're looking at Pixar on their own, um, they're fighting, you know, they're 100%. fighting to try and uh, do as much as they possibly are allowed to by uh, by their parent company. Um, and so, you know, I think supporting these movies and supporting, uh, you know, these voices uh, and bringing in different voices, it's the best thing that Pixar's been doing for last few movies. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I think the fact that Pixar issued an open letter uh, stating that they do feel very uh, managed or, or contained when they yeah. do try to s- embed these sort of elements into their narratives, you know, Disney seems to kind of suppress it. But again, I think Bob Chapnick was feeling the the, the pressure over the, over the last few days, and he's he's issued a statement and ta- apologized to the community and, and has, has, has said that he will be pulling funding uh, from from these to these organizations and, until this is sort of resolved. Again, you know, actions do speak louder than words, so it it will take time. And the fact that they they waited so long to actually say something, it doesn't really bode well because, you know, the, the community that supports Disney is diverse from cultures to you know sexual preferences, and that needs to be represented. And I think Disney is 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 under the impression that they have, in some ways. Uh, played a part in sort of the uh, disillusions, if you will, uh, of of cultures and identities, and and they are trying to do right by that, but they haven't gone that full swing as as what you're what you're mentioning, Joe. So I think it's it's uh, you know for this film to come out um, amongst all this controversy, it does definitely uh, kind of challenge what what we're hearing, uh, and then also celebrate what we what we want to see as as you said, Nate, yeah. like seeing these stories and seeing these voices. So it's a it's an interesting sort of point in time to be seeing this movie, right? <laughs> 
We and... are moving forward, but it's a slow pace. <laughs> and it's just like, speed it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think the, the biggest thing, um, you know, we're talking about uh, culture and wanting to see all types of cultures represented in these movies that we love and these stories. And I think, you know, the fact that the movie's set in Toronto uh, I'm saying Toronto, by the way, not Toronto, uh, <laughs> as it's meant to be said. Um, you know, I know that all of us kind of either grew up around Toronto or at some point have even lived in the city before. So I kind of actually wanted to start our discussion uh, right there. Um, it's funny. I was listening to another review earlier today, uh, just uh, just a podcast. Shout out to the kind of funny folks. And they're awesome. But they're all from uh, San Francisco. And they got none of these references, like none of this. Oh, really? And I was like so disappointed. Yeah, they kept calling them donut holes. And they kept talking about like the stadium. And I was just like, no. Uh, so, <laughs> so I really want to get into it. But before we kind of dive into talking about the different references that we caught, um, you know, I have to mention the, the Tim Hortons box of Timbits on the table, um, which, you know, in order to prove to our audience that you are truly educated in the ways of the six, I have to ask, what is your favorite flavor of Timbit? Justin, you can go first. Well, I, I love the, the rainbow one that they have uh, in the in, in the box. It looked so delicious. And like, yeah. that's not inherently Torontonian as much as it is Canadian. And there's a lot of Canadian references throughout this 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 uh, movie that I'll mention as we go through. But yeah, 100%, even the way they made them look in oh. this movie, they were so chunky and they looked so <laughs> delicious. And I, I could see Jin Lee, he just, he wanted one and no sugar. No sugar yeah. for you. And I and love how he sneaks, sneaks like one two in. of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, how about yourself? What is your uh, what is your favorite Timbit? Oh man, sour cream glazed is a hundred percent the best flavor. Wow. No question. Okay, okay. Megan. Great. Aside from my love chocolate, I'm a huge chocoholic. But sour cream glaze are my favorite Timbits. Oh, wow. We're split. We're split. I'm with uh, Justin and with uh, Jin Lee. I got to go with birthday cake, I think. <laughs> birthday cake is such a good one. However, I did do some digging, and I think it'll be kind of interesting to note. A little bit of an inaccuracy, but they, they you know, I think that's fine. Um, as of 2011, they didn't even introduce the birthday cake flavor. So I'll, I'll give them a bit of a pass because it's the best. It's colorful flavor, too. but yeah, <laughs> very, it's colorful. very colorful. So. Um, but. But, uh, but yeah, guys, let's let's talk about um, some of the things that we noticed about kind of all the different references and, and, and our love for, for Toronto and Canada uh, in general. Anything you guys want to call out? Apart from the Timbits, which was called out, I loved the panda hustle scene uh, with all the Canadian money and seeing Toonies yeah. and Loonies being dropped and them counting $5 bills, $10 bills and making it rain with, yeah, making it rain <laughs> like with, with all of that Canadian money. Like it, and cause our money is, it looks, looks funny, you know, Loonies and Toonies and, and stuff like that. But also we have very colorful bills as, as many people in the world would say. So it was really, it was a really cool scene to kind of dedicate to uh, the, the currency of Canada. I thought, I thought it was really fun. Very cool. Anyone else? Yeah, I have a few, but I'll just name the ones that I thought were really amazing and like meant something to me, I should say. Yeah. Um, a huge one is obviously the amount of hockey references that are in mm -hmm. this movie. It's not overly done. I don't love that they say hoser, but they say it because <laughs> they're all mostly like American. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought that was one of my Canadian references. The fact mm -hmm. that they said hoser, right? So. And they did have the like blue and white 
for mm-hmm. the hockey jerseys. So we yep. loved that as Leafs fans. Um, I love that they had Lester B. Pearson as her school because that yeah. is an actual school in Toronto. So they didn't just mm-hmm. make one up. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I think, or uh, these sort of go together, but the fact that they say grade eight and not eighth grade makes mm-hmm. me really happy as a Canadian. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and one that I thought was really cool that my partner and I both were like, what? And I think it's maybe an Ontario thing, maybe Canadian, maybe everybody did it. But the pen flip that she does in her finger feels like something from our very specific generation. Is that not an everywhere thing, though? Is that, like, specific to Canada? I don't know. It feels like it is, because it's never referenced ever. To me, it was more of um, an anime thing, which we'll get into talking about a lot of the the anime references in there. But Yes. (laughs) I know where you're coming from, though, because I know kids when I was in, like, school that would they would try to perfect that they would just try to perfect the the, the flip and then the click and then the flip and and, and all of that so I, it goes I, along I, with I like you. the drawing the s thing <laughs> yeah. you know the the yeah very tough very, <laughs> very tough. tough i could never do it uh joe joe did you notice anything that you wanted to shout out in terms of uh references yeah um i mean all the things you guys mentioned obviously um i loved seeing like the streetcar lines on the road that made me really happy i feel like i've never I didn't notice that was like explicitly a Toronto thing until I saw it in the movie and it was in every scene when they were outside. Um, and then the Daisy Mart that's oh, on the yes. side. Huge. Um, Huge. My partner actually looked at me and went, I know exactly where that Daisy Mart is. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> that's so awesome. cool. I love how you see the bags of milk uh, yep. as uh, in an ad on the Daisy Mart. Uh, and that's where Devin works. Devin, oh. Um, <laughs> um, um, shell necklace. Yeah, he's, he's a hot hobo. Um, but I, I also, I'll shout out a couple that I caught as well. Of course, we saw the Sky Dome. It's not the Rogers Center. CN Tower, the Blue Jay in front of the Sky Dome. Chinatown, Kensington Market. Uh, there's a bear in the background of the police, uh, sorry, the principal's office wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs uh, logo. And uh, and then, of course, we've also got Tyler wearing a purple basketball jersey, which is clearly a oh. reference to our Raptors. Um, Celine Dion name drop, right, when Ming is lamenting about her distaste for Fort Town. And uh, <laughs> who do they think they are? Celine Dion? Um, and then I, I also thought um, there's actually a really stunning moment where May is flying across the Red Moon. Uh, and in the background, you do see an ad for Air Canada, uh, which oh, I thought wow. was pretty cool. No, well, because they did, they did a, they did a cross sponsorship, right? They painted yeah. one of their planes with, ba- uh, with turning red. Uh, so I think, I think that's kind of like a way to kind of acknowledge on both ends. So I, I, I like that one. I, I found that one online. I didn't actually see that, so I got to go back and uh, yeah. uh, check that one out. I, I feel like though the one thing that really stood out to me, and I, and I think we've talked about it, or we will yeah. be talking about it more so, is, is just the texture and the background of Toronto, like in general, like Graffiti Alley was 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 very much featured in in little spots here and there. Like it didn't obviously give us the full Graffiti Alley, but we saw bits of it sprawled throughout the these the, the cityscape of Toronto, and also just like the look of the signs, like you know, Joe, you brought up Daisy Mart, like that chunky old school kind of neon sign like that there but then also in the background in in other in various other scenes like it was just so apparent they nailed toronto's aesthetic like so well so so well yeah domi she actually said in the documentary that it was an aspect of um like she gave props to the background team 
and just said how like it actually costs them a lot more money to be able to pull off the 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 diversity of the people in the background. Um, but clearly she, you know, I think they all understood just how important an aspect was to represent the city of Toronto. I think it was a huge Domishi effect across the whole thing. Like she really directed this movie as a first time feature animated director. She did a like phenomenal job. It's crazy because you could see her through every single aspect of this movie. And the only reason it is so Canadian is because of her. So yeah, right. we have her to thank for this. <laughs> right. I think the other thing that really stood out from that behind the scenes documentary is when she's being shown like different versions of buildings. And I remember looking at it, I'm like, oh, that, that bottom one is more Toronto. And then she walks over and she's like, yeah, this feels more Toronto <laughs> and because it has that old school, old school sort of architecture. It feels very like lived in and, and it, it felt it felt more uh, personable, like like Toronto's architecture does sort of feel in certain parts. So, yeah, I think I think, again, like you said, she basically pushed the boundaries of, of how they can capture the essence of the city in this animated world and it was just it was really nice it, it was refreshing and i think for us as torontonians we really oh, it's yeah. hard for us so it's so cool to see it in a freaking pixar movie it's awesome and um and this one this one last one here that i wanted to shout out uh, before we keep going here um i had to kind of look up i was like i the temple's gotta be reference to something or what have you so apparently the temple is loosely based on the Chamshan temple which is one of the oldest Chinese temples in Toronto um, and just like in turning red at that temple they don't worship a god they worship their ancestors uh, which is really really cool and now next time I'm in Toronto I want to I really want to go visit this this temple it would be amazing to do um, we're going to take a, a a little trip back in time to 2002 uh and i just wanted to ask did did any of you get any you know bouts of nostalgia from the things they were wearing the things they were holding um did anyone catch any of those 2002 references maybe well, this you... is where i should have put my pen <laughs> there you go <laughs> maybe there you go that's that's fair but also the the twilight call out i think that those books yes. were pretty big in and around that time so i i thought that that was uh i thought that was very poignant i think it was the last it looked like it was the last in the trilogy based on the book that priya was holding yeah and night falls so for sure i don't know if yeah. you guys noticed also we paused it just to like read the back cover and whatever it's it's funny go read it but um in the very bottom it has like the canadian and american pricing like in the bottom of the book i just thought that was like a cute little thing that like they threw in there. <laughs> That's so good. So good. I loved uh, May's Tamagotchi. I love that her mom is inside it. At the, her mom's panda's inside it at the end. Like, yeah. so good. And it just sort of, it's cool, though, how with the Tamagotchi, like, it is such a childish thing. So to mm. see Ming embracing that and, and seeing how her character kind of has sort of come full circle, even with yeah. her, just shows the level of character development and uh, the 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 fr uh, statues in the front of the the temple, Bart and Lisa, Lisa, yeah. like so good. Just, I loved it. They got I that Simpsons it. license just in time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in in May's class, we actually see a girl playing with a tech deck. Uh, which I thought was super cool. And I, I mm -hmm. love that it was a girl playing with a tech deck, um, which is awesome. Again, it just speaks to this, what this movie is all about. Um, and then, come on, like Joe, slap bracelets and vans. Like, <laughs> come on. You must have been freaking out. Oh, 100%. It's, it was great. As soon as I saw the vans, I was like, oh man, those are sick. Um, yeah. You're like, how do I get a pair? How of do I get a pair? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I also like the thing that I like immediately noticed and was like, oh man, that takes me right back is the fact that she handed her a burned CD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah, like, was "Oh a- man!" And she had the white writing on the back and marker, and she put oh. stickers all over it. That made me so happy. <laughs> oh. so good, so good. Makes you feel old too. <laughs> oh yeah, oh. we we don't talk about that part. <laughs> yeah, and she was um, like listening to a Walkman at her desk. Yeah, yes. a stereo the player. Man, yeah. yeah. I, I love the flip phones, right? Like I know oh, that, yeah. that you know works. Jokia, yeah. Jokia, yeah, Jokia. That was so funny. That's my brand and of phone. Even, there was like a background character lining up to go into the room to like buy merch and take pictures and stuff. And they had the like Motorola. Yeah, the Motorola slides. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, and it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily just flip phones. Exactly that. It, it. There were the sliders. There was all the technology from that time. But it still showed how how at that point people were very immersed in their phones. Obviously, it's portrayed differently now with with things like, you know, even like Mitchells and versus the machines with very current sort of how people interact with their technology, but it's cool how that feels. It's also it, it's nostalgic, but it's also very relevant because it's relatable to now, right? So. Yep. And I just wanted to this is not something that's necessarily a, a 2002 thing directly. Um, but it's interesting. Again, we talk about representation, and, and um, not one, but two of the characters in Turning Red, uh, they are using an infusion set patch uh, for type mm. 1 diabetes. Um, yeah. So there's a girl in her class that has one on, uh, and then the OMG girl, whose name is Stacy Frick, uh, where she, OMG, and then, pff, like, um, she Face is... Face palms, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's wearing one. And at first, I thought, like, I was like, was the was bird a sticker. flu a thing or was, was SARS a thing at the time? Like, I thought it might have been like, no, I thought it might have been like a vaccine, uh, uh, like I sticker thought it was, or band-aid. I thought it was a sticker. Kids, <laughs> kids used to <laughs> stick things all over yeah, them. Oh, for right? sure. So, sure. Um, but no, it, it is it is very specifically uh, for type 1 diabetes. Oh. So I just thought that was super cool. As like a very girly millennial, yeah. <laughs> I loved the knotted friendship bracelets, the jelly bracelets, <laughs> <laughs> the butterfly clips that are in Stacy's hair. Yeah. Um, the sticky earrings that May like peels off because she's not <laughs> supposed to have earrings. I did that because I didn't get my ears pierced till I was like 14. Um, <laughs> there were the Uggs. Of course. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Was Stacy was wearing them in the bathroom, wasn't she? Yeah. When she gets yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but the zebra and... print Uggs that her aunt wears. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the ants. And the juicy uh, sweatsuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. So good. good. And also just the mention of boy girl party made me laugh really hard. Are we allowed to boy girl party? I don't even know if we're allowed to. No, I I definitely, I I appreciated those not having experienced them myself, but I definitely saw a lot of that as well. I mean, I tried on a sticky earring from here and there. there, Um, but, um, no, I, I, you know what, we're going to get back to things that we are seeing, you know, Pixar likes to sneak a lot of references to their own movies, uh, in there. So we'll, we'll jump back to that in a little bit, but you know, before we do, let's keep talking about the, the look and the feel of this movie, you know, Justin and I, we discussed the look of the feel, uh, look and feel of the movie and just how it strays away from sort of the traditional look we've gotten used to in Pixar movies. What did you think of the changes made with the style of the movie? Megan, uh, why don't you kick us off here? Oh my God. Well, from an animation, brand new and animation standpoint, um, I loved it. And I love this direction that Pixar is going. Um, I love that Domishi's idea of chunky cute 
was very inherently throughout the entire movie in every aspect, not only the characters, but the cars, the buildings, mm -hmm. yeah, the color, the yeah, yeah. everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. um, the color was a huge, huge like bonus for me that I'm sure everybody noticed the contrast throughout the whole movie, but it, the meaning behind the colors with each character was mm -hmm. really, really beautiful and such a great way to represent her connection to each main character supporting character that she had around her. Um, the contrast of the fact that her best friend and her mom both had green tones, green. but one was more yellow, which is a safe space and more positive and like a freeing character versus her mom being more cooler blue tones, which is like protective and defensive and like cold so i thought that was really really beautiful um yeah. and obviously the contrast of like everything being relatively muted in the background yes, um, yes. which is very toronto but also yes. very a great way to represent like her turning red and going through this insane moment exactly. in life yeah it it, it, it the, the the palette was so was so nice and soft for the background that the the characters in the foreground really pop they really stand out so i, I totally agree with you there yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I loved, <clears throat> as you said, the chunky cute aspect to it, but also like a lot of the anime stuff, right? Like the, the, the May mountain when she shows the, 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 like, and she's like standing on top of the mountain and it, um, but I also, I loved how the anime infused itself into the movement as well. A lot with like Abby, like doing the, like, whenever she would freak out, she would like jump in the air or do yeah. a yeah, peace sign yeah. or, um, yeah. Or like, yeah, like, like little things like when they see Devin at the Daisy Mart and they all turn around to face uh, May, Abby's eyes are jittering left and right at a rate that is so fast. You almost don't see it. Don't see <laughs> like it, it yeah. She's so, yeah. she's so hyped up. And then um, the other thing I really liked as well is, um, and this is, this speaks more to like them just being goofy girls, but you know, May and her friends are on top of the roof at Tyler's party and they're they're shouting out. They've got their like woman moment where they're shouting the CN Tower. They're like, we're bomb. And like Priya's like, Priya's like, we are hot. <laughs> it's just so good. But you see Priya attempt to do like a butt bump with Abby, but she misses the first time. And then they and then they manage to, to butt bump, butt bump, bump butts. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but it's just it's so cool because like they're not perfectly coordinate coordinated. They're just these silly little kids and. Ah, so good. Yeah, I, I, I think the the Pixar aesthetic is very, it's still there, but it there's they're they're finding a way to bring in all of this anime inspiration, and you know it, it does give us this chunky, cute style, and it, it serves as its this movie's own visual language. Like I, I, I found some comparisons, like especially with Tyler, the way Tyler looked, in terms of like how characters looked from Luca. Um, so you can see that oh, yeah. inspiration finding its way over, but now being taken to another level with this sort of fusion of of anime into it and just giving more life. And, and you're absolutely right, Nate, like the expressions that these these characters hit and how they just they they they, so they just flip on a dime. So yeah. like I've taken certain screen caps of, of little ones that I really like because they're just how did they do that? Right. So I, I love that 
everything about the look and feel feels very intentional for this movie while yeah. bringing in so much inspiration from from the rest of Pixar, right? And and outside sources. Dude, the the fur, the wool on May's sweater, like the, mm-hmm. the like how like b- the texture, balls up in yeah. certain spots yeah. and like it's just incredible. Like, like a little. <laughs> they've hit an animation perfection at this point. Like I don't I don't know how they're going to make it look even better. Um the other moment that I just wanted to quickly shout out that I thought was visually just got me so much was the sequence with Jane cooking. And we get the we get the classic like glasses like shing moment but like the food. Like I could literally have just finished a meal, but show me that scene again, I'm instantly hungry. Like Joe, were you not like stomach making the loudest noises possible watching that scene? Um we literally got Chinese food the night that we watched it <laughs> because we were so inspired and hungry by all the food, so we got like dumplings and spring rolls and oh, so, so good. good. But I honestly, I think after Raya and the Last Dragon, every time they make a movie and they show food in it, they just have to keep stepping up their game. And I don't know, like you said, I don't know how they're going to do better than this because it was it was yeah. unbelievable. They need to make a movie centered around food. Oh, 100 percent. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I think the the pork belly looked like perfect. Like it looked like actually like pork belly, and like even just the connectivity, obviously of food being so relative to this culture um it's it's very rel- food is very relative to all cultures but definitely within mm-hmm. this window of what we're seeing right now with with you know a chinese canadian family um it 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 does give a moment to really heighten this this uh this moment of 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 what it feels like to enjoy food it's it's an art it's it's you know but it's also wholesome and it brings people together so i think that it, it, the way they handled food throughout was was really well done Totally. Um, yeah, I I just I want I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also yeah. going back to the like animation comparisons and stuff, um, and the use of anime to inspire this and also continuing the movement through new Pixar movies, how you could see the inspiration from Luca and one of the things they used from Luca and like elaborated more on in this movie was the mouth mechanics that they had to create brand new for Luca Mm -hmm. um, because they had never created mouths that don't have a proper like skeleton to your face like the way that they move they still used that within this movie as well as adding facial um, movements and muscular movements that can't happen in real life but happen in anime and the way their eyes move and like um, one part that I loved so much and like cackled laughing at was when, um, when May's under her bed drawing, I can relate to that moment. And (laughs) she like freaks out and gets back onto her bed and then realizes the journal is still there, but her mom opens the door and she's like, don't look down, don't look down, don't look down. And then her eyes go. very anime and so funny and (laughs) also when her mom sees her for the first time it's like oh my god you're 10 minutes late are you okay are you hungry and she like pulls a plate of dumplings out of nowhere is also very anime shoves it right in her mouth mouth. yeah and her eyes her eyes for the reaction as it goes in her (laughs) her cheeks fill up she even looked like master roshi as she like waited to cross the street right like you know what i mean like as she like crossed the street but you know when she's under the bed and she's drying and she goes through that like first stage and though but like i love how her face goes oh like she makes that like really funny face because of because of her drawing that she drew she's like oh like it was so anime and i laughed so hard i screen capped that one that one her face is is gold and I'll send, okay. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Every like 
super <laughs> intense emotional moment that she has. Mm -hmm. They do this like black background screen where it stage into her face yeah. and yeah. the whole like theme of puberty throughout this movie mm -hmm. really represents itself in those moments throughout the movie and they're all different emotions that she portrays in these like blackout intense looking into maze situation moments yeah. which is so so that's, cool that's such a good call out i like that because there's there's three instances in that sequence of events that you get that sort of putting her on the stage there's like a spotlight on her they black out the background and those all contribute to inevitably what we would see her trans you know transform into is this 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 big red panda so yeah i think that's that's a great call out i, I like that yeah no, i again just the fact that domi she added so much of herself into this and even in the doc like um which by the way go watch the making of documentary if you haven't already so but yeah. um she she talks about how like when she was younger like you can literally see her grow up through her drawing because like near grade eight she was drawing like pokemon and then like as she got a little bit older it, it was boys and she was drawing these these hot anime boys um but <laughs> uh but you know just like things that we can see a lot of this movie has to do with what we can hear and i mean the music in this movie is incredible, whether it be Ludwig Göransson's score or Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell's Four Town music. Um, but before we get to your thoughts on the music in the movie, I wanted to go round table and I thought this would be kind of fun. I want to ask two things. Number one, who was your high school boy band? And number two, did you ever go on any adventures to see a concert before? Uh, we're going to start off with Joe, actually. Um... Well, my high school boy band would have been Backstreet Boys. Um, oh, yeah. As I am a 90s baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, my first concert that I ever went to was um, only a few years ago. Um, I didn't get to go to concerts as a kid. And I feel like it was for the same reason that, like, Malin's mom didn't want her to go to concerts. It was like, what are you going to be doing there? Like, there's going to be right. crazy shenanigans and you're you're not re responsible enough or you're going to get in trouble yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and even the scene where she goes and like blames her friends and she's like, you manipulated her into doing this. Like, if that isn't my mom, I don't know <laughs> who is. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, I never got to do stuff like that when I was a kid. I was so like helicopter mommed. So mm -hmm. now that I am an adult and I can go to concerts and stuff, I have been to like so many. So I'm just trying to make up for that. <laughs> as yes. a grown-up um but no i definitely wish i could have done stuff like that as a kid it would have been this whole secret shenanigans where we you know lie and pretend there's a sleepover and go do something else <laughs> that seems definitely up my alley <laughs> well as an adult what, what would you say it was your one of your top recent concerts that you went to um well again it's like not a not a kid thing but we went to um detroit and we got to see the used which is one of like my nice. favorite yeah Aww. my favorite like childhood nice. i guess bands yeah. It was unreal. Well, you're going like, to like mine then. You're gonna like mine. <laughs> okay. okay, Justin, yeah. hit us up then, my friend. Well, my favorite, uh, again, to, to Joanne's point, I, I was very much the same. My parents wouldn't necessarily let me do these things unless there was some sort of parental supervision and, uh, you know, what kind of music was it and that and this and all that. So when I was in high school, it, it got a little bit better, but this was towards the latter part. Um, and I actually went and saw Weezer, The Used, Taking Back Sunday and Blink-182, uh, all at one show and that was that was an epic show that was a full day concert um and it was so much fun that was probably like those were all bands that i was listening to in and around that time um and yeah it was it was 
the time of my life. That was that was a good time. Uh, Emo kids yeah, unite. So cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, how about yourself? You go see an emo kid concert? <laughs> I didn't. I no, I didn't. I wish I had. Oh my god, I do listen to a lot of like pop emo, but mm. uh, I. So my favorite boy band would be In Sync because mm. I think being born in 1993 i got more into music at in the late 90s early 2000s so this movie is very much my era <laughs> um mm. so yeah nsync was my favorite boy band very closely rivaled with britney spears though and i know <laughs> she's not a boy band but she's a badass bitch so i'm gonna talk about her <laughs> um, but uh my first concert was britney spears and I think I was nine years old, and I went with my parents and yeah. my brother. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't like, uh, what's her first album? It wasn't her first album. It was I'm a Slave for You. So Ooh, nice. With your parents. Oh, things got sexy. I know. Yeah, things got super Jeez. sexy. Your brother was like... <laughs> My brother was having a way better Puberty time was happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Puberty hit um, him like a pile of bricks that day. There were, there were flames. There yeah. was very little clothing. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. I want to see that. I want to see that story told in an animated story by, by you. <laughs> Please make it happen, Megan. Let's go. And then you can give him all the same like anime expressions of him just like recognizing like what's going on. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I never really had a, a boy band in high school. Uh, like a lot of you, I think like the only boy band. And I don't even know if you consider this a boy band, but like maybe under like, oath. No. Well, uh -huh. Panic at the Disco, I think, maybe a little bit. Is that kind of a boy band? Right? It's my more cousin, emo. My cousin it's, introduced... It's that it's punk pop emo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're a band. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just like, I didn't have and any exposure boys. to like... Like, honestly, the only bands that... The only band that I really exposed myself to was Coldplay. Uh, and then anything else was just through my experience of friends in high school. So just any any of the relationships I had, like whatever they were listening to, I was listening to because uh, you do the the sharing of the headphone uh, thing, right? So, um, you know, definitely not sanitary these days. But uh, for, for me, uh, when it comes to like big concert experience, um, going on my own for the first time was for a massive this is going to sound so much more lame than your answers but uh well maybe not megan uh massive uh christian concert for hillsong uh which was downtown in toronto at the harbor front and i remember it was my friends harry and daniel probably the two like well no harry's cool Dan well i don't know if daniel's listening to this i probably shouldn't say anything but uh <laughs> he's, he's cool too he's, he's probably much cooler now than he was back then we all are anyways um I, uh we were traveling from newmarket to toronto back and forth by bus and i remember we missed our bus ride home uh for the you know the and the next one wasn't getting to us by like till like 3 a.m and so let's just say that was the first time I ever experienced the feeling of being so sleep deprived because we were like up since like five because it was Sunday morning. And I just remember saying the stupidest things and thinking they were the funniest things. And they thought they were the funniest or at least Harry thought it was the funniest things. And they really were not funny, but we were also delirious. And I think the people that were waiting for the bus with us probably thought we were stoned out of our minds or something <laughs> like it was just it was so great. And I just sort of. That, that explains actually, a lot, though. 
No, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I still say a lot of dumb stuff that's not that funny. <laughs> but um, but I Hosted say, by. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say, like, I, I feel I felt watching this movie, a lot of those sort of that was a very silly moment for me as a kid. Mm. And like I was being silly. And the the kids in this movie get to be silly and authentically yeah. themselves. And I just yeah. think about you know that moment in the in the where they are um, you know hustling and they're dancing and they're chewing gum like grossly in front of the camera and yeah. just being silly silly kids. So I really liked yeah. uh, that aspect of it. Um, but I I will say um, yeah, as far as the music is concerned, I mean you know in the making of documentary, which again please check out. Um, Domi Shi when she was 13 there's a picture of her holding her flute in her case uh, mm -hmm. and she's got it and she's like she's like I'm so cool with my flute in a case and the way Ludwig Gorenson brings the flute through both parts of the instrumentation in this movie recognizing both May uh, her side which is like swing jack very like you know chill hop style and then you've got the other side which is honoring her heritage her classic you know the, the kind of the Chinese instrumentation um, and I mean Four Town was incredible but like I kind of was listening to the score all day today as yeah, well as me too. Four Town, yeah. and it's so freaking good. What did you guys think of of the music in this uh, this movie? I thought it was exactly how you described it. It just had such a nice balance between background of of her current period of time of where she is in life. This sort of jazz funk, very. There was also a little techno to it at, at times, and then you know, there's all this ancestry and heritage moments are just represented so well with the Chinese instrumentation. There's such a balance, and Ludwig has has such a a way with being able to bring in the cultural influences to embrace that in a way while also trying to create something new. I think we've you know from from the Mandalorian theme songs to the, the book of Boba Fett you know there's such a cultural undertone to those themes that you know it, it makes sense that he would bring that into this 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 score for Turning Red so I, I really enjoyed the score but with Four Town as well with this boy band they never fought each other you know there was the music within the world and there was the music that described the world right and right. Ludwig's music very much described the world and and gave breath to it whereas Four Town's music infused it and gave it such a a poppy fun vibe i have been singing that song straight oh. all weekend my wife is so angry at me because every time i'm humming it and she's like will you stop will you yeah. stop humming that song like joe do you have the dances down pat yet like i'm expecting to see you do the full the full dance to nobody like you have you been rocking out to some four tone as well 100 percent. you know what i will make a music video and then we'll send it in the same file that megan's gonna send her uh <laughs> story of her brother perfect. it'll be perfect better. but it has to be you and your cat doing it though you and oh, your cat yes. are the <laughs> oh is she He's chunky cute, so that works. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, no, uh, yeah, hundred percent. It's an earworm. It's I've also been humming it since um we first saw the movie. Um, I a hundred percent went into it. Like Nate and I were chatting, and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna love Four Town," and I was like, "Yeah, I, I did. Of course, like it's it's a boy band, but it wasn't." my favorite part like I anticipated that mm -hmm. being like such a big thing and just like with the Encanto soundtrack I was like oh I'll be listening to like boy band soundtrack all the time now but yeah the score that happened behind the scenes I think I got like I don't get chills very often but I got physical chills at the end when um uh Maylin and um Sun Yi when they touch noses like up in the sky oh, oh my god beautiful I was oh, like yeah. that I whew, I, yeah, that's where I'm <laughs> where I'm at right now. <laughs> Very nice. Meg, how about yourself? 
am never one that connects with the music because I'm more of a visual, visual. person. So mm -hmm. I, I think that um, if I didn't notice it, it's because it worked so well. Like it fit mm -hmm. the whole movie so well that like just everything went together. Um, so for the broad picture, it obviously was perfection. Um, but I will say one of my favorite musical pieces was Abby going brah. <laughs> yes. oh, when she's their beatboxing, yeah, their beatboxing <laughs> session was dope. I loved it. So, so good. good. And also the first moment of me sobbing in that movie was them starting to sing to May after she's a panda and they find out she's a panda and oh. she's like, I'm a freak. Like, leave me alone. I'm oh. I'm going through this crazy moment and I have to do it by myself because I can't deal with this and you guys don't deserve this. And then they just start singing and then she's, I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> and then Water she starts singing and they're like having their moment together. And it's like such a beautiful representation of friendship. And I love it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And listen, we're going to get to talking about, kind of our favorite moments of the movie. And yeah, I've got, I've got a box of tissues here. I'm ready to cry my <laughs> eyeballs out. Um, but before we do, you know, we use our eyeballs to look at the background of these movies. And if you're a big Pixar fan, you can really, really find so much in this. So let's talk about those Pixar references. Um, you know, they, they hide references to so many things. Um, the first one I'll quickly shout out is just A113, uh, which is a classroom at CalArts where John Laster and Pete Docter and a bunch of Pixar employees studied. It's in every single Pixar movie. Um, and we can mm -hmm. see this number all the way at the end of the movie on the set of Four Town tickets, um, as well as on the chalker that is um, like the thing that Jin uses at the end to run around the stadium. And it yeah. says like, it says professional model A113 oh, cool. on it. Um, so yeah, so like they, they managed to hide. I thought it was just in the end credits. I didn't think that we saw it in the actual movie, but it's there. Uh, and it took me like a bunch of searching because I, I did, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I, I tried to challenge myself a little bit. I tried to look up like what scene these things were in without directly trying to see exactly where they were so I could have the fun of kind of finding it um but what about what about you folks uh megan you're chomping at the bit here what did you what did you find for pixar references not much okay Apparently i don't have a keen eye for this because my third time going through was like okay time to find the easter eggs and i'm gonna pause on every moment that there's like uh her bag her flute bag I'm, okay, sure i have to look at every single sticker that's on that okay yep. her journal pops up her backpack the skateboard and the only three things that i actually found were the burrow bunny sticker yep. on her journal, which is the mm -hmm. burrow short that came with Luca. Mm -hmm. Luca? I might have, I don't know. It's a burrow Pixar anyway. short. It's a bunny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can find it on Disney+. It's a bunny. <laughs> um, the second thing I found was the Nemo sticker in mm -hmm. the bathroom. Yep. Oh, nice. Um, it was on one of the bathroom doors when the girls are like, oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> And then the third thing I found was um, Miriam's skateboard has a bunch of Toy Story-themed stickers on it. So there's, like, a Buzz Lightyear label. Um, it's the Lightyear one. I think mm -hmm. there's the bunny from the fourth movie. Well, actually, so it looks like kind of like a bunny, and I had to do a bit of a double take. Um and, you know, Pixar, not only does it reference stuff that came before, they also do a really good job of always referencing the next movie 
that they're about to release. So one of the cool things is, and before we kind of get to the one in this movie, in Luca, there's a vinyl record in the background of... Uh, of Julia's room, um, and it's labeled four, then a star, then Villaggio, and uh, that is in the same font as Four Town. And so obviously it's a vinyl record, so it's referencing the music, um, and it's super cool. And now, so in this movie, on the back of Miriam's skateboard, yes, you're right, we do see Star Command logo, we see the skull that's on Sid's t-shirt, um, that's the biggest thing on the, on the skateboard, and then we get, we get to actually see a picture uh, of Socks, uh, who is the, the robot cat, cat yeah, from, uh, from, from Lightyear, uh, coming up that I'm sure we're all going to be thinking is also very chunky right. cute, and I think fits the aesthetic of this movie. The one thing I was searching for so hard in the background was the Pizza Planet truck, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Joe, did you find it? I did. <laughs> I was so excited. In that last scene when she's like running um, away and she's like going towards the concert, it's like a it's a truck that's parked on the side of the road. You can see the back and then like the, the sign on top. Dang it. I was like, that was the huh? first thing that I was like, same with you like I watched it and I was like oh man this almost didn't even feel like a Pixar movie because usually they're so obvious and this one they were hidden yeah Yeah, so you have Mm -hmm. to like really look for them but that was the one I was like there has to be a Pizza Planet truck like it's in everything (laughs) so and the the coolest thing about that Pizza Planet truck Joe is that um it's part of the world and I'm it's making me so jealous that May and her friends get to live in a 2002 Toronto where they've got a pizza planet, but we don't um, because they actually have pizza planet boxes at Tyler's birthday party uh, on the ground. And there's an ad for pizza planet at the sky dome as well. That's Oh I man. See. That's Look awesome. At you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, I, I know that uh, when Nate and I attended the press conference, they, they did mention uh, the skateboard with, list. with, yeah. yeah, they gave us a list. So, um, But I, I was looking for the bow reference, and obviously there's dumplings and yes, mm-hmm. but there is a restaurant sign when she's running home from school, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yep. uh, she gets off the she bus. She gets off the uh, streetcar, right, and there's a bow sign, so immediately noticed that one. Um, but yeah, I caught the I caught the stickers as well. I, I, I was looking at the socks one thinking, socks, I'm so glad that it, it actually means something. <laughs> yeah. Um, Carter Murphy Mayhew, who is the goth kid, uh, and I love how fast Miriam says his name. Like, were you just looking at Carter Murphy Mayhew? Like, it's all one word. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny because um, that we all had those kids in high school or in 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 you know grade eight and high school that had those three names like that. Um, but he's the goth kid with the swoopy hair, right? Um, his his shirt says Escapula. Um, uh, Escapula, which is one of the bands from Coco, actually, uh, which is uh, Spanish for for shoulder blade, uh, which is a very metal. They're like kind of a metal band. Uh, well, he looks Spanish. Cool. He did look Spanish. Yeah, maybe. I yeah, he could have been a Canadian reference because he looks a lot like a character from a very beloved Canadian TV show. Who's who's that? <laughs> Who? He looks a lot like Eli Goldsworthy from Degrassi. Oh, <laughs> oh totally. Oh my gosh. Oh, I really I hope know. that's I really hope that that's the case. Um there's a, a tiny unicorn sticker on the Jokia phone, which is a reference to Inside Out. Um, and then the breakfast that Ming makes for May, uh, the first morning she discovers her panda, smiley face, which is exactly like the breakfast that Mushu makes for Mulan, uh, which I thought was a really nice 
reference as well. Kevin also makes an appearance. Not our Kevin, but Kevin <laughs> the bird. Uh, Kevin's a girl. Um, Kevin is a skeleton uh, in the school classroom, which is super cool. No, he's not. Um, Why is he yeah, a skeleton? Yeah. He's a you skeleton. He's like, that's, yeah, like they're studying him. That's or so something. mean. Yeah, that's so mean. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the only other ones I had were the Luxo ball is in Tyler's birthday party pool. Um, Abby's clothes are decorated like Boo's door from Monsters Inc. Uh, Pearl from the Pixar short Pearl is hanging up on May's desk, and I think that those are everything that I caught. Did you guys have find any more at all? No. It's it's definitely go. interesting though that like it took us a lot more tries to get it than the first time. Like I don't know. There like I no, I, I just think about like finding Nemo when they roll out of the window and you see it flash by and it's like you can't miss that. But in this know, like you sure. said it's part of the world and it's just like a car and it's a muted yellow and it's off to the side and it's in the dark and you have to really look for it, which I thought was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it's, so it's those are the best kind of Easter eggs in my opinion, are the yeah. ones that really have have you looking, right? And there with so much going on in the background of this world, like you're inherently going to miss those things because there's just so much going on, right? So I would say even more so than in Seoul. Like Seoul obviously takes place in, in I believe it's New York. New York City, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, and they did capture the aesthetic of that really, really nicely. It had that sort of very jazzy film aesthetic, but it's not necessarily as busy and populated as we see Toronto. It's just there's so much going on in the background. So Yeah, I mean, and well, there's a lot going on in the background, but there's so many things going on in the foreground that I think will just stay in our hearts for the rest of time. Uh, I'm trying my best with the transition here. <laughs> Segways uh, are weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's so many great moments to highlight in this movie. And, and I think, Justin, you were saying, like, when I sent you the, like, list of things that we were going to talk about, you're like, really, just two? Like, that's almost <laughs> impossible. Um, but I want to know, what are your, you know, kind of, we'll go round round panel what are your top two moments in the movie? Uh, Joe, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about so many of them already. Um, one of mine was um, the moment when she's like going through the portal and she's like really struggling and pushing and, you know, the panda separates and she looks back and the panda looks mm. like sad and whimpers. My gut was like, oh, no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> And I thought it was going to obviously go the way that traditionally a movie would go where she does the thing that she's supposed to do and, you know, she lives her life. You never think that she's going to go on staying a big red panda, right? So I was so upset. I was like, oh, my God, she's going to just, like, leave. I mean, so sad. And then she turns around and and she, you know, goes back. And I was like, yes, like, that that made me really happy. Um, Yeah. And then, like, another moment that I, like, again, there's so many, but just the one that I laughed at every single time without fail was when she ran in the room and put the bed on her, and she's brushing her face, and she's like, don't look at me! (laughs) It's so good. There's so many little moments like that where you're just, like, just the little things that they do. Like, why is that her first instinct to start brushing her cheeks while she's crying? It actually reminded me of something you would do, Joe. Oh, 100%. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think you have done that before. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right, uh, Joanne. Like the the fact that she doesn't go through with it, uh, creating a new sense of like tension that would happen, combining herself back with the panda. Like I love that it led to this sort of kaiju fight in Toronto. Yeah, the movie is just it, it. It feels like it adopts so much of of east and west to really tell its story throughout. And here we have 
you know, seemingly a kaiju monster battle happening between mother and daughter. But, you know, that was so cool. Like the shot of her walking, like walking towards the Sky Dome, and you just see her red eyes in the cityscape. I was like, yo. And then when she rips open the dome, I was like, a monster movie in the dome? Like that would be, like that's nuts, right? Like I was actually, the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, that's kind of creepy. Like that would be crazy to actually see. I just (laughs) love that her her hair remains the same though. Like she still has her same Ming hairstyle. And like, yeah, Justin, I'll I'll jump on that because that was one of my moments as well is like the whole kaiju battle thing the Avengers assemble moment with May's grandmothers and her aunties and they all just break their talismans. And it's just like, I was just like, I want a whole mini series with just grand, the grandmother and these aunties like fighting crime or something. Oh my gosh. So cool. Yeah, That would be, that would be amazing. I would, I would totally sign up to watch those stories, how they, how they actually contain their panda and how they dealt with it. I'm sold. Um, but what I really like is how at the end of, of the sequence it leads to you know everyone as you said nate transitioning into their panda mode to help come together Mm -hmm. and as they're singing it's not loud enough it's not strong enough it's not it's not it doesn't have the capability of creating this this portal this mystical portal that we we've already been introduced to so it takes four town it comes back to music comes back to four town inspiring the crowd to sing to come together to be as loud as they can and it really just hits home all of the underlining themes that are running throughout this this film which is about community diversity and that we're all stronger together so i think it was really fantastic to wrap this story up and to take it you know to to this epic moment with bringing it back to music and bringing it back to sort of that connectivity of that it has i thought it was just chef's kiss Domi, mm-hmm. she, she knows she knows what she was doing you know like that music was so relevant for so many reasons other than just being a boy band that they inspired it helped get them to the next level so bravo yeah and one of the things i thought was really beautiful about the fact that they sing the four town song four town song at the end was when they were going through the process with maylin um she asks because she doesn't know cantonese she says what are they saying to mm-hmm. um i can't remember his name but the old man that is running mr gal um she yells to mr gal what are they saying because she doesn't understand he says they're just singing and they're singing from the heart and that's what we need personally i prefer tony bennett <laughs> but your grandma yeah. she's from old school yeah, they established it school. <laughs> yeah they, so, they established it yeah yeah he set the tone of saying like it doesn't really matter what they're saying it, it matters the intention feeling it from their heart yeah. so the and, fact mm-hmm. that may and her friends and fortown sang that song from the heart because that's where it comes from yeah. to create the circle so cool and i love that even in that moment like may's is staying true to who she is, right? Because she's singing, like, I, I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, but I'm like, oh, she's actually singing the, the lyrics to the Four Town <laughs> song. Like, she's singing with Four Town while everyone else, you know, her 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 aunties and her grandmother are singing, you know, in, in Cantonese. So it's just, like, really this beautiful aspect of, like, she's still doing the same thing. She's still achieving the same goals in life. And, and in this moment, saving her mother, but she's doing it her way. And that yeah. was just gorgeous. I thought for like a half a second that everybody was singing the Four Town song. <laughs> I hope so. The aunties just I knew really the words somehow. <laughs> yeah, I really, I think that would be incredible. Or to see Mr. Gao like just like bopping in the background with it uh, would be so cool. Was he voiced by the same guy that was in Mulan? 
Yeah. Uh, yes, James Hong. I thought so. Um, yeah. I can't remember his character in Mulan, but he's he's definitely. He was the like almost major domo. Yes, with the guy. with like yes, absolutely. Oh with yeah, the long mustache. Yeah. It was him. Yeah. yeah, James Hong. He's also my favorite character in all of animation, Mr. <laughs> Ping from Kung Fu Panda. Uh, so anytime, anytime he's in a movie, James Hong, freaking rips. Um, the other moment I think for myself has already been sort of shouted out uh, by yourself, Megan. I think honestly. Just when Mei Mei is revealed as a red panda to her friends and she breaks down crying. And I just think, you know, not only does that represent friendship, but it's just cool because Miriam and the girls instantly know how to cheer her up. And it's by mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing they would do if Mei Mei wasn't a big red panda. And it just shows they're like instantly nothing has changed between them. Like we're still we're still mm-hmm. your ride or die. And it's just ah. Panda or no panda, they love her all the same. And then she poofs and changes back. And I love the little moment where Abby's like happy for her friend, but also, yeah, but she's also <laughs> a little sad at the same time. And she wants the big red fluffy panda like back. I um, love how so psycho good. she is. Like, oh she's nice. that. when she starts like screaming in Korean, like just like freak it out and just like she tears up. What is Toledo? It's so <laughs> yeah. good. I also love that her gut response is that the guy on the radio is wrong. Not that she's wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. He's lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so That's good. awesome. Oh, she's so, so funny. Uh, any yeah, other she was moments, a highlight. Any other moments that we want to shout uh, out? Yeah. One of my other favorite moments was, again, another emotional moment that I was sobbing my eyes out. <sighs> um, when May meets her 13-year-old mom oh, in oh, the yeah. bamboo was, mm-hmm. like, such a beautiful moment because I think... The reverse of the story of a mom and controlling her kid that just wants to be a kid and live in her childhood, we have to remember the reverse of, like, our parents were kids, too. Mm-hmm. So the fact that May gets to see why her mom is the way she is, and she doesn't, like, judge her for that. She supports her and says that you're okay, come with me like everything's going to be okay and we get to see her go through that changing in life as she becomes an adult and starts standing up taller and becomes more proper because that's how she was raised and she was part of that generation where you do just honor your family and that's your job as a kid where may is from a generation that we all hold dear where yes, there is a part of us that should respect our parents because they raised us and whatever, but we're also our own people. So we deserve to live our own life the way we want to in, what's the word? Like I think what you're getting to is is remembering your past while moving forward with your future. You know, you, you look at, her, at at Mei Mei's mom and you understand that she probably went through the exact same thing that Mei Mei went through, but she had to really contain it. Like you're saying, she's from a different generation, a whole different upbringing where she's starting to realize that there's a balance. So this is where it kind of feels very Encanto for me, is that sort of that generational trauma, that sort of understanding the heritage and your history of where, you know, the the person that has raised you and that is your mother, that is your grandmother, whomever, where they've come from and understand the difference in life um, and and how things are different. I think it's just so well-crafted how they brought even just a closure to that mother-daughter story in that moment, but also even with her and her own mother. 
Like we don't really understand what happened in their past, but we see the scar. We understand how big she got as a panda. We understand that there was obviously a fight. Like they told us it all without having to show us. And I, I loved that piece as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, I I also just want to shout out just another facial thing with Abby when all the kids are in line to go see and then Abby points at the no Tyler's picture and she just like does this thing with her face where she like points up and I was just like <laughs> let's go Abby like <laughs> Abby was freaking a, a masterclass and we talked about this in our our um our spoiler free but uh, High and Park um worked at Pixar as a storyboard writer and so did so did Domi Shi but like just the fact that like you're you're you know you get to make these movies but now you also get to be in them is just so freaking cool, cool. so I cool to be that one day uh, <laughs> do you, do you, i can't you wait storyboard writer or storyboard artist I, I can't quite remember was it storyboard it was writer? a storyboard artist yeah it was artist, a storyboard okay. artist yeah. yeah 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 super cool and just how much yeah. art obviously obviously is so infused in this movie in every single way um but obviously you know a lot of the things we're talking about these scenes they're they're that we're holding them with such high regard because they really connected with us um so i kind of wanted to just kind of as we near the end of our conversation the last topic i wanted to bring up centers around personal connections to the movie and i mean we all know pixar is a master class at creating these stories that can connect with anyone and everyone who watched them um and more recently they've really honed in on giving different voices the opportunity to reach out and represent their own personal stories like with this movie um, so I got to ask, um, who would like to go first with what you connected most with in this movie? Um, I connected with a lot in this movie. The fact that I didn't grow up in Toronto, but I grew up in Canada. So a lot of that stuff um, plays a part. And I grew up in the same era as as um, Maylin did. Um, I also think that though I'm, I'm not from um, another culture i am caucasian i'm from canada like my whole family is european whatever um and i don't have immigrant parents i still have parents who had who played a part in the way that i became who i am now and i did go through a similar situation in regards to like going to the concert or going to the party and having to say, Oh, I'm just going to a sleepover just right. because I was like too afraid to ask and mm-hmm. outright just say like, this is what I want to do. Can I go do it? Um, but then I also did go through that transition that Maylin went through with her mom where she did stand up to her. For me, it wasn't my mom. It was my dad, but I got to a point where I was like, no, I'm living my life and this is what I'm going to do. And I respect you, but Mm. you can't treat me this way forever. And we now have a very fantastic relationship, which I'm very thankful for. So I I did go through that transition into Mm. trust, which I related to like to a T, which is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of I think that was a very similar aspect to first of all thank you for sharing um i feel like we have to say like that <laughs> like like we're in like some sort of like group right now it's beautiful um Therapy, but I, love it. <laughs> I very much i very much connected with with that aspect of the movie as well right like i think honestly the the part that really got to me was the look that may gives her mom right at the end of the movie um and they share this moment and it it, it hits so much for me um especially because like 
like uh, we learned from the 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 conference that we attended um, that May May means little sister, and it's just cool because like her mom calls her May May throughout the entire movie, but in that one moment where they look at each other, that's where it really felt like she was. May May, she was her like little sister. Like, there's a different bond between between her at that point that is more trusting, and I think it's it's similar to, I guess, what it would you know, kind of being like a little sister and and with your mom and hanging out. Um, but I I think for me, like, it was it was just kind of the feeling of wanting to go out and be on your own and how exciting that is to be an independent person, but also those moments of fear that you're gonna lose some of that connection to your parents and you're going to make mistakes that they won't be able to help you with. Um, and that, that really hit for me. And, and I think this movie is so important for literally anyone growing up. Um, so they can, you know, they, they have a movie that is able to capture that. And I, I don't think any other movie that I've seen has fully captured that at least in to this, to the same level. Um, and even the line that comes earlier in the movie, like you can almost hear Ming saying again in that look, the farther you go, the prouder I'll be. And that just, that was a gut punch right. because oh, <laughs> like I, and like I, I felt it before, you know, I felt situations where I've been in my life where it's some of the proudest moments I've ever had in my life. And my parents aren't, aren't there. Um, and, but, but knowing that, that they are still so proud of me, even if they aren't physically next to me during those moments is uh, it's really cool. So um, yeah. So that's that's uh, how I connected with Turning Red. Uh, Joe, would you like to go ahead? Thank you so much for sharing, Nate. That's, that's oh. really great. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, first off, in the first like 10 seconds of the movie, I immediately obviously related to Mei Mei. She's obnoxious and loud and wears glasses <laughs> and likes math and stole a whole birthday cake. So like I... <laughs> I'm right totally. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, even the scene when she was watching um, like the soap operas with her mom, I literally uh, turned to my partner and I went, that's that's me and my mom watching The Young and the Restless, like 100% while yeah. we're making dinner. Um, so, so much about that story kind of um, related to me as a character. And I was like, oh, what a crappy answer. Like, it's it's the main character. Of course you relate to her. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think um, similarly to you guys, it was kind of just it being a story where it was about like a young girl who was allowed to be like silly and weird and like you said with the gum chewing and and the dumping the chips on each other like that's the kind of stuff that we all did when we were kids and I don't think there's a lot of representation for girls doing that Mm -hmm. in general anywhere so I love that more than anything it wasn't even just a kid growing up in the early 2000s being a weirdo getting along with his or her parents it was like specifically a girl who's expected to you know stay home and take care of the family business and like be very proper and do what she's supposed to rebelling and and having that you know totally off experience well uh joe i mean i can definitely like just through our friendship i've definitely seen um a lot of what you're kind of describing (laughs) Uh, in in terms of your oh yeah yeah a spe- specific like I've literally seen her eat an entire cake like and I asked I asked for a little bit and she's like no what do you and what, then you I turn into a you? red panda and just keep yeah. all of it to myself yeah and bark it's at actually people. how it's actually how I got this scar right here. No. Uh, um, but uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, Justin do you want to uh, do you want to round it off for us with what you connected with from turning red 
Sure. Yeah, I, I think, again, we've already talked about a lot of what we've connected with. You know, I know it's Toronto, it's Canada, you know, this this chunky, cute aesthetic of, of that <laughs> is this movie. We I think we all have come to love the coming of age story that is that is is here uh, for myself. I think after watching this numerous times, it's 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 as I was saying to Megan, it really feels like for me, it's about understanding my past and how I move myself forward. Um you know, honoring that and doing what's right. Cause I think I was very much like May where I felt like I had to be a different person with my parents than I did when I was with my friends. And also because of that, my friends didn't understand because, you know, my family is of, of, you know, an immigrant family and they do have cultural religious values that they really tried to put, put on top of me. And at a certain point they eased up on that. But definitely at the age of where May May is, I've felt the same sort of like struggles, if you will. But very much like yourself, Megan, I, I did have that that conversation. It was actually through my dad as well. Very much like Ming Lee, my mom was a helicopter mom for sure. And, you know, at a certain point, she had to understand as well that I was growing away. And that was tough. That was tough to kind of do. But at the same time, it had to be done or else how, how can we really move forward? How can we really be our, our own best version of ourselves? So I think it's 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 understanding that balance as you move forward and, you know, taking the best parts of your of your family with you. So, yeah. Embracing the messiness. Right. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I just want to touch on, since you do have two females in this uh, podcast right now, <laughs> the theme of a major part of female puberty that is in this movie is really funny (laughs) (laughs) because there are parts of it that coincide with menstruation um Mm -hmm. i love when um ming lee says did your red peony bloom No, well, it's so funny, but it's but it's so funny. All of those references as an adult, I was like, oh, my God, they're really going there with the oh, references. Yeah. Right. So and they went there. They went so far as to actually show a package yep. of pads in a Pixar movie. Yeah. Go Domishi. Yeah. That's yep. amazing. I love it. Yeah. Freaking awesome. I bow down. <laughs> also bow down to the entire female led production yeah. only yeah. female leads leads mm-hmm. yeah the whole Amazing. creative team yeah. yeah you gotta if you if you're listening to this you haven't checked out that doc you have to it is such a it's <laughs> such a celebration of of what went into making the movie the the empowerment the, the fact that yes it was an all-female lead team on this production from director to production designer to just just, just the writer everything and the way the documentary is filmed just as a highlight here it feels so real because obviously this is during covid time so it wasn't like as much of the stage stuff there was a lot of like shooting people at home and in their home environment understanding how they're telling stories about teenagers and living with teenagers it's 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 awesome 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 documentary and you're also watching two out of the four become new moms moms, yeah which is so cool i love that i wish they had done like a like a whole series on it like they did with like making of frozen 2 if they had done making of turning red i would have watched that in a heartbeat had episodes Uh, yeah Yeah, i would have been so happy about that well, maybe we have to, uh, on our own time, uh, have a spoiler, our own spoiler cast for just the documentary. <laughs> um, but do we have anything else that we want to quickly shout out? Or are we good to wrap it up? I have Alrighty. one thing oh. that I laughed out loud at that's in the end of the credits. 
No, it is not the father's scene when he's dancing to Four Town. Oh, that's so <laughs> that good. That is okay. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you didn't see that, go all the way to the end of the credits. But at the end credit, like, scroll where they show all of the brands and people that helped out with the production and everything, there is a legitimate end credit that says, the shape, appearance, and design of the Roger Center Stadium, in brackets, previously known as the Sky Dome, <laughs> is a copyrighted artistic work owned by Roger Stadium Limited Partnership, used under license. <laughs> wow. I was wow. like, that what? Pause. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, uh, we will not be posting uh, the licenses that we had to buy to do this spoiler <laughs> Um, but that's it for this spoiler-filled discussion on Domi She's Turning Red. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this. Before we, we wrap up, Megan and Joe, um, why don't you let our lovely listeners know how they can keep up with you and everything awesome uh, that you're doing. Joe, why don't you kick us off? Um, yeah, so you guys can find me. I'm Joe. Uh, my Instagram is Joe Knows Photos. It's J-O, the female spelling of it, not J-O-E. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, I post a lot of photography stuff on there. Um, trying to do mostly engagements, weddings, um, but a lot of family stuff more recently, too, with a lot of, you know, people having babies, <laughs> speaking of. Yeah. Totally. And if you're in the GTA and you you want, um, definitely check out Joe's Instagram. I've, I've looked at a lot of the photos there. They are fantastic. Um, and uh, and yeah, she'll she'll definitely cut you a, a good deal, I'm sure. <laughs> you tell them um, Geek Centric sent you. I'll, I'll do there something you go. for you. <laughs> yeah, use code, use code Geek Centric uh, for an extra 10% off. Um, no, that's not a real code. Don't actually try to do that. Um, but, oh but if you listen to this podcast, you know, she'll see what she can do. Thank you. Um, and, and Megan, how about yourself? Yes, I am a character designer, illustrator, and you can find me on Instagram at MeganClara.Draws. I also just started a Twitter. It is MeganClara.Draws. Hey. There's no dot in that one because it was one too many characters. <laughs> so that's fresh and new. There's nothing much going on there, but I will get back into the social media game so you can find me in those places. Awesome, nice. awesome. Definitely go check out uh, the beautiful artwork. I'm hoping to see some Turning Red inspired something, oh, it's maybe. it's on its way. It's on its way. Amazing. Awesome. Well, we're going to have all those links in our description for the for this episode as well. Uh, keep in mind, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on the movie, what parts connected with you? Uh, would you want to own uh, a Robert Jr. Uh, for yourself? <laughs> uh, and let us know if we missed any of the references, although I don't think it's possible that we could have. Um, if you want to let us know of about any of that stuff um well let me poof into a panda and toss this dodgeball over to justin l to let you know how you can reach us yo yo you can reach us at we are geekcentric at gmail.com that's we are geekcentric at gmail.com or on twitter because it's not 2002 it's 2022 <laughs> and you should have a twitter account so you can reach us at geekcentric yt and on instagram at we are geekcentric Keep in touch, please. Definitely reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we're going to try and up our social game uh, as much as we possibly can. Um, and also, it, you know, we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for The Atom Project. Uh, of course, our spoiler-free review for Turning Red. And we have our spoiler-filled review and discussion for Matt Reeves' The Batman. Uh, also, we have our recent trailer drop episode where we broke down our thoughts on the teaser trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Let's freaking go. I'm so 
freaking stoked. Uh, you best believe we're going to have a watch club for that. But of course, we're also going to have a watch club. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the the girls are are, are lathering up with the with the, <laughs> the deodorant, deodorant. <laughs> with the deodorant all over their face. When she put it on her face, yeah, it was, just like, it was just so funny. So She's good. just freaking out. So, good. Um, so so if uh, if you know if you and McGregor uh, saying hello there makes you sweat, uh, we will have a watch club for that that you can tune into every week. But of course, uh, another beautiful man that makes us sweat is going to be starring in Moon Knight uh, coming up very soon as our next watch club. So I'm very stoked for that as well. So go give those episodes a listen and leave a five-star review if you don't mind because we are Geekcentric and you can be too, which means you can also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And if you want to tune in live and keep the conversation going while watching me do some gaming, opening up some Pokemon cards or whatever, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash nateplaysgames and you can follow me on Instagram at nateplaysgames. Justin, Megan, and Joe, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. And as we say... Four Four Town for Life! life. (laughs) (laughs) 